Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues affecting everyone in the workplace. Today, we welcome Dr. Hazel McTavish-West, CEO and co-founder of Seed Lab Australia. Today, we're chatting about starting a business from idea to market. Welcome, Hazel. Thank you, and it's great to be here. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely to have have you with us. For those in the audience who don't know about Seed Lab, we'd love you to briefly explain what it's all about. So Seed Lab Australia is a business incubator and accelerator program specifically for founders and businesses producing FMCG products, so fast-moving consumer goods in value-added food, non-alcoholic drink, and sustainably produced personal and home care products. And the program is fully supported by Woolworths Australia, and it's specifically designed to help businesses get their products onto the Woolworths shelves. And it's for Australian and New Zealand businesses. Fantastic. That is fantastic. I mean, what a great opportunity for a new business to to be able to access that type of support. It's it's unbelievable, really, especially since the whole program for participants is free, absolutely free, and there's no equity taken. It's it's simply a training and support program with mentorship and connection to a whole heap of opportunities and a whole heap of people who will help you build your business faster and safer and bigger than you ever thought possible. It's amazing. I wish we had Seed Lab when I was trying to do this. Oh gosh, I wish I wish there was those sorts of things available for other segments of entrepreneurship because usually there's some level of co-funding or you have to pay your way in or yeah, gets it can get quite quite complicated. Yeah. So Hazel, what are the what are the most challenging aspects for startups in this in this particular space? You see a lot of people come through, and both Judith and I have worked um, in startups, but we haven't worked in this particular space of startups. So, what do you find are the the biggest issues or challenges that your founders have when they come to you? Well, that's a really good question, and, and of course some of them have very different challenges to each other, but some of the universal ones I see are the product just isn't unique enough. It's it's a me too product or it's a passion product or both of the above where somebody has had a personal problem themselves or seen um, an area that they felt passionate about doing something in, then they've created a product to solve their problem And they've forgotten that it's not about them. It's actually about all the people out there who have that problem and are there enough of them? Are they prepared to pay for this solution to their problem? And what are the other solutions they could buy instead? And so they haven't perhaps, if they haven't taken that approach to things, they haven't actually got enough of the unique valued components to their proposition that will make it a success. When you see a product come in or a business come in that has truly got a unique, valuable proposition that is clearly going to fulfill the needs of a large number of consumers, 
there is hardly any help required. You're largely just dusting off the edges and off you go and, and it becomes obvious. Um, the It's so hard, though, to say to someone, and we use the phrase in Seed Lab, your baby's ugly. And that's really harsh way of saying it. But we've we've been given the mandate by Woolworths that that is our job to say to someone, I'm sorry, your baby's ugly. You need to actually go and do X, Y, and Z and then come back again. Or, you know, we can help you do X, Y, and Z. But uh, we're not going to just sit here and help you um, take this baby to Woolworths who will then say, your baby's ugly because that's what they will say. So we give very hard feedback around, the sorry, this doesn't taste great. And taste is first. For food products particularly, uh, we get samples in. Very, I've got a whole wraith of samples here. Um, we get samples in very early and the, the, the team have diverse background and we're able to put a very subjective view on them. And if it's something we would buy um, and we, we think tastes good, we, we absolutely pull out all the stops. But I think that's the biggest one, that the blinkers are on. And the um, the other one is that they often think that they can be full-time in their business far sooner than they ever should be. And it puts so much pressure on a, a new business to have to pay for a mortgage and school fees and food and rent and insurance and all the things you need to do to live and to build a business. We we had a conversation with um, Chris from Little Urchin a little while ago, the sun care business, and he's got a you know what looks from the outside, and I'm sure it is a very successful and growing business. But he made the point that even now he's not full time in the business. He's not expecting to draw all his income from it. And that was, I think, a bit of a wake up call for everybody. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I think the issues you describe are not unique to to the food space. When I listen to what you've just shared, it's I, I resonate with a lot of those comments in terms of thinking about my own startup experiences and and, and other entrepreneurs' experience. I think one of the, the hardest parts, uh, and you've highlighted this perfectly, is that we all think our baby, we all think our product, we all think our idea is the best, the most amazing. And I actually wish with a couple of the business ideas that I've had along the way that somebody actually had the courage to say to me, your baby's just it's either ugly or your baby is just not pretty enough. Yeah. Um, because that would that actually saves a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot yes. of heartache. But yes. not a lot of business people have the courage to tell others that their baby ain't that pretty. And they don't have the remit to do it either. Um, you know, you have you have when they come into Seed Lab, we make it very clear that this is what we are here to do. And um, we also, the alternative, if you don't come into Seed Lab and you just set out there to do a business and then you're going to pitch it to various market channels and, and go for it, is who's going to tell you your baby's ugly? I mean, nobody has going to have the remit to tell you that because any of the help that you're going to get along the way is probably going to be paid help. So it might be an accountant, it might be a marketing advisor, it might be um, an investor 
or whatever, they're, they're someone who you've paid effectively to help you. Um, and I think that's where we do have a unique role to play because we're not paid and we also um, are there as an independent. We're not Woolworths either. We are independent of Woolworths and we have emerged as a group that have years, a combined 150 years experience of doing this themselves for our own businesses and for other businesses. And we also, we have learned that the number one value we need to look for when we're getting other people to come in is trust. Do we trust this person? Um, would we put, give them our money? Would we trust them to, li to listen to what they say? And so we say to our participants, look, we only use the trust equation before we bring anybody to you, and that means that you can trust them too. And we hope you can trust us. We 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 set out with only good intentions, and this is our remit. Um, but we will give you honest advice. It is just our opinion, and so sometimes we may say, "Well, look, we think you need to redesign your packaging because of these reasons." And then they may go, "Well, no, I'm not going to do that." And look, I've got hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales here, and we'll go, "Great, that that that's fine." It can only ever give you our opinion. Yeah, but exactly. um, yeah, it, it is it is a painful thing to have to share. But I wish someone had told me when I was trying to do this, um, I don't know how many years ago now in the UK, that, and I was I was paying people thousands of pounds because I didn't know what I didn't know. And nobody said, Hazel, this is never going to work like this. It's so if someone important. had just said yeah. that, yeah. it would have saved years of pain and heartache and money that I didn't have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the world is full of yes people. You can find yes people everywhere, everywhere. And, you know, I used to always say to people that I would be advising is that surround yourself with a, a, a good number of no people, the ones yeah. that actually don't have an agenda, that will tell you the truth, they'll tell you about the mistakes. And because those people are going to be the ones that are going to help you grow. It's good to have the cheerleaders in your background saying great, great too. But if you don't have the people who are willing to tell you that, you know, probably that doesn't taste so good or the product, and you might not accept it, but at least they've told you that and yeah. at least you have something to weigh up. Do you ever have a situation where the people just will not accept the critique yes. and then they, they go, okay, well, we're, we're going somewhere else. I mean, does yeah, that happen we do. too? We do. And and I think in the early days we were re reluctant to say this just doesn't taste good enough and we've got very much more uh, non-reluctant to say that now. Um, but it's, um, yeah, we have had a number of them who, who don't want to hear that or haven't heard it. I mean, it's that that I think sometimes they just haven't heard you. Um, and it's a painful thing to hear to to actually hear for some yeah. people. But what we have had, um, and is the opposite as well, where somebody comes into boot. There's two stages to Seed Lab. There's boot camp, which is a six week incubator program. It's when I say six weeks, it's about 
an hour and a half of live online content a week and probably two to three hours of on-demand content each week over six weeks. But we've had them come into boot camp and they get a rapid sense check and go, oh, I need to do this and this and this and this and this. And then they go off and do it and 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 you go, oh, I wish you'd just waited till we'd completed the process because <laughs> it was highly likely or you did get into Cultivate, but now you've gone and spent another $5,000 over there doing that and actually just go through the process and we actually will help you solve all of the things you need to solve because Cultivate's a four-month accelerator program where we work with them one-on-one -on -one in great detail and um, they almost run too fast and it's so easy to run down those rabbit holes when you're a founder on your own and I know this from my own experience, you, you can sit there with, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, suddenly thinking, oh, I think this font is a great font. And I think I'll um, protect this domain name and I'll I'll go off and buy this trademark. And, and there's nobody to go, hang on, hold your horses. Let's just think about this and let's get a strategy for this. And um Worse still, over you know a bottle of wine and two o'clock in the morning, very strange decisions can get made. That's how they all happen, Hazel. That's how it all happens. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that. Well, have you had a situation there though where um, the idea or the product was amazing and it got to market, but it just wasn't selling, and you like what would be some of the reasons that would would cause that would it be the, the yeah lack we of have social media or yeah we have and i'm i'm obviously not going to name any names in this area but um getting part of the incubator and accelerator programs aims are to get the businesses retail ready and the products retail ready and help them pitch and present to Woolworths so it's about getting onto the shelf what we are evolving uh, into, there's some very exciting developments happening in Seed Lab over the next six months, which will be around really helping those products fly off the shelves once they're there, because that's getting in is arguably the easy bit. It's not at all easy, but getting in is the easy bit. It's It's making it work is the difficult bit. And for many businesses, it's also the um, the boring bit because the excitement's all around the development and the selling in. Yay, I've got 400 stores or whatever. And then, like, what am I going to do next? And, like, well, actually, now you're going to sell them and yeah. you're going to talk about this again and again and again and again and again, and they get bored. But um, hustle, yes. hustle, hustle. Hustle, hustle, hustle. And the challenge is usually around pricing, and that's something that, We've seen a number of businesses that have got their products into a number of stores and, then, and have then had to pull a sig significant amount of costs out of the production process. So they may have had a vegan product that actually didn't need to be vegan because, for example, it might have been a cook-in sauce or something that people were going to add chicken or beef or fish or lamb or tofu to. But most people were not going to add tofu to it. So it being vegan was irrelevant. So actually pulling the vegan aspects of it out and making it simply a very, very tasty sauce 
made it cheaper to make, uh, perhaps reducing the pack size a little bit so it was a serves two instead of a serves three to four, perhaps looking at a longer shelf life product so it could be made in bigger batches. All of those things and more can be looked at to streamline the price and, and that's what we've done even after they've got on shelf. Ideally, we would do it beforehand so that there's far more profitability for everybody in the product. Sometimes it's just not possible because you have no idea at some stage what the volume demand is going to be and you may need to get a new contract manufacturer, which is an opportunity then to to look at all the pricings. But um and that's yeah, quite it's usually around price. Yeah, it's mm. quite challenging for a new founder when they're looking at other products on the shelves and consumers are becoming very price sensitive and they're happy yes. to try things, but they're not going to pay necessarily a really big premium. And are they supported along that way in terms of the price? Because pricing for any business, for any product is, is, is a critical issue and understanding your inputs, but also understanding what your market is prepared to pay for that product or service and that's a challenge in in any in any industry but it has some nuances in yours yes it does and certainly that's something we start very early in boot camp we do a little bit of business stuff first around the exit strategy for the business and the intellectual property and and just checking out all the businesses set up properly and everything for growth then we get stuck into the product and that's all around not some of the consumer stuff around the unique value proposition, the claims, how it's made and all the rest. And then we get stuck into, right, let's look at the cost of goods. What What is the competitor analysis here? Um, looking at the breakdown of the cost of goods over packaging and ingredients and processes and labour. And that labour actually is the one that often gets forgotten when the business is making the product themselves. They, they don't factor that in properly. And so we, we talk through all that. And then as part of the Cultivate experience, particularly if they've already had some a listing, for example, we will look at, right, how can we now, economies of scale, um, how can we uh, pull out more pri- uh, cost, add, add more value, or at least, you know, as much profitability as possible. But absolutely, we are about building retail-ready products but retail-ready businesses is where the sustainability will come in because the products will have to evolve and continue to. What are you, what are you finding with, um, with labour these days? Um, how difficult it, is, it, is it for people to find um, when they've developed their, their small businesses? Are they, is that one of their biggest issues? Um, not necessarily. I would say 40 to 50% of the businesses coming into Seedlab are actually using a contract manufacturer already, or certainly that is their modus operandi because they've had an idea, they've created a product, and they've found someone to make it for them. And that's a perfectly valid way of doing it. And it's potentially a lower, much lower risk way of doing it than setting up a factory themselves. But some of them have set up factories themselves, which is I take my hat off to them because that's wow. a huge thing to do. Um, the 
The challenge around labour that we help them with in Seed Lab is very much around getting protocols written down so that if you run over by a bus, God forbid, but it has happened actually, almost literally, um, that the, the, the process can still continue and the products can still go out the door. And also that um, everyone understands the specifications of the product and the specifications of their job. So we help them with HR, even down to interviewing and, um, you know, working through problems with people, helping them understand their co-workers and their partners, which are often life partners as well, which is particularly challenging. Yeah. We're working at the startup and small business end of the scale. So the founders are generally individuals, couples, either in a relationship or not. And that puts a lot of strain on that relationship because it becomes, I use the phrase 27-9. It's 27 hours a day, nine days a week. In, in other words, there is no gap in that. And you can be going to bed talking about invoicing and, you know, problems with things. And it, it isn't good for any life. I absolutely, having lived yeah. that experience, I'm in business with my husband and, and life partner and and it is it is really, really, really challenging and it takes an additional set of skills and additional effort in terms of communication and understanding to actually pull through and to actually continue to respect each other during that process. I think that's one of the, um, having been through it over a number of years, it is very challenging, especially when there's no money coming in the door yes. and pressure is on and both partners are invested fully in the business. There's not one, you know, sometimes one partner continues to earn money and the other partner is focusing more on the business. But when both partners are in the business, um, yeah, that takes something special. It does. It does. Are you finding that the... Um the age range of people who are going into new um, business ventures has increased? Like, in other words, people who've had maybe a, large, a long corporate life have decided, now I've always wanted to do this and I've got this product. And has that changed or is, what are the demographics? Okay, I, I can't really say whether it's changed. We've been doing Seed Lab in various formats now. We're in our, uh, you know, fourth year. So... In Seed Lab Tasmania, which was our pilot program, we very much had a number of people who were um, retired from their career, if you like, and now following their passion projects. And in Seed Lab Australia, we've had the spectrum. We've had the um, most of them being sort of mid-20s and upwards, but we have had a very, very young entrepreneur who um, was very um, passionate and, and came into the program with his mother as well. But I would say most of them are in that early to mid-career stage in Seed Love Australia anyway. Um, and what, what I've learned is that if they've come into this and their idea like let's say they want to make, I like to talk about making jam because everyone understands what jam is. So so let's say their idea is to make this really unique jam or they think it is, but their background is in accounting or let's say, no, not even that, um, software development or 
Um, maybe they were a personal trainer or a chef. And so they don't, there's a whole lot of information that we have to backfill around food technology and, um, you know, all the things around uh, building a business that is to do with food that makes it, they're learning everything from scratch. Yeah. My advice is generally go with something where you are an expert. There's got to be, I believe, it, most of the, bit, the successful businesses are where one aspect of what they were doing was where their expertise came in. So they're either really good at social marketing or they're really good at the finances or they're really good at food technology or they're really good at um, sales something they've got to be good at that they need to do. Otherwise, it's really hard slog. And um, I, I think um, that also helps give authenticity to what they're doing because there's a backstory of relevance they can talk about, um, which is very important. But um, you find it's essential for new founders to be really up to date on um, social media mm -hmm. and getting their products out that way. Yes, absolutely. So we've been, we, we were in, very, as I mentioned, Seed Lab is supported by Woolworths and that is a real, that is real support. We speak to them on a daily basis and we talk to them about individual businesses and we talk to them about the program and where we're going. And one of the things they said recently was, look, once a product's got in here, um, the, the, the keys to success are in-store sampling and if that's not possible and as well as, um, marketing on social media channels with video. So you can imagine that's Instagram, that's TikTok. And so surprising number of our businesses say, oh, yeah, yeah, I really need to update my website. Yeah, I really should be doing more with social media. And I just feel like exploding a bomb near them when they say things like that because, yes, that's yeah. what you need to be doing because, you have to be making far more noise than you possibly expect to get in terms of sales. And if there's any reluctance to share the story or to share the how-to or the how do I use this or where do I buy this or what's in this or um, all aspects of that need to be shared. And there needs to be strategy and there needs to be a budget and there needs to be priority. I understand that. But it absolutely has to be done, not negotiable. And they need to keep moving as the platforms evolve and using what's relevant. So we are producing significant content within Seed Lab to help them navigate that. We bring in the best of the best who can also teach because there's no point having someone who's really good at something who, but simply can't teach it. We're not trying to just be a portal to paid work for all these experts. We're trying to get them to come in and teach people how to fish and so um, we've got stuff coming in around how to use TikTok, how to, you know, make good videos in those few seconds that you have, but, you know, draw people into the store, draw people through, yeah, all sorts of aspects. So it's not negotiable as far as I'm concerned. And it's about storytelling, becoming, you know, listening to what you're saying, and it's about becoming a really good storyteller. So people do engage with you because you're the essence of the brand and then they connect to the brand and then that builds trust. Yes. And, and we've had a few people who are reluctant to share or put a face to the brand. They just want to be the product. 
And we're like, yeah, that'll work for a little while, but it, it isn't going to work long term. If, if, you're, if you're in this all up, you, you're in this and you are the face of this. And um, the other thing people say is, uh, and particularly we hear this more in Seed Lab Tasmania, is, oh, I, I don't want to be too pushy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stand here at my market stall and, and let people come and buy it. And we're like, great. So who's going to pay for your kids' food tonight? You know, you have a job to do. You have to sell this product. And people want what you have, but you've just got to communicate with them and, and, and realise this is the solution right here. Give me your money. How many do you want? You know, not it's be reluctant to ask for the sale. Isn't it funny because it's that fear of, like, I don't want to be seen as a salesperson instead yeah. of thinking everybody who is in business is a salesperson. Yeah. So you you don't have to be aggressive and go up to them. I mean, often all they need to do is say, hello, how are you today? And people will come up to their their booth or just acknowledge, um, you know, some somebody who's, you know, you know, when you go into the small shops or you go into a, a department store, if somebody, if I go into someone's shop and they don't look up and acknowledge me, I'd walk out. I agree. Yep, entirely. I think if you, if you if you aren't going to at least go hello, I'm not I, I'm not going to give you any kind of business. And and I and sales can be so easy, but it's just a stigma that they think I'm not a salesperson rather than I'm developing a business. And I think about um, when I started my business, I wish we had social media. Do you remember how expensive it was to buy yeah. brochures and material? Yeah. <laughs> All this stuff is for free. We and and I think that's where they just really need to get that that mind shift. That just get on get on TikTok or get on Instagram. And I get it because I was one of those people who feared and still do, like I don't know how to do it all that well, but. Once you, once if you're going to sell that product, you got to get on there and put something out, and you get well, better and better with it. That's right. Or you've just got to acknowledge that. Well, you're not the one to do it then. So someone in your business is going to have to be the one to do it. Well, let's just not do this. Go and get a job, because <laughs> you know. Let Let's call it what it is. You either do it or someone has to do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's time consuming. All of that, all of that it other is. stuff is very time consuming. It is, and mm. I think the only way through it, certainly from a business perspective, is to have a strategy and to prioritize. You know what you're doing, and then you know, right? There's this is what's what I'm going to do, and this is the time and the money I'm going to allot to it. And then draw a line under it. It doesn't have to be a you know a, a thing that is all consuming. Um, yeah, but without a strategy, it's it can feel endless, and and, and it also can look you can sound like a loose cannon very easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, but it's also I mean, if you have a group of people behind you and people you can access, it makes your ride a lot easier and the journey a lot better. Than trying to do it all by yourself. Yeah, if they're good people, good people. <laughs> and, and I actually, I'm just reflecting on a, a family member's um, um, have got has got a very clever invention, and this family member is very knows this particular product inside out. But all the other skills we've just been talking about are not there, 
and that person struggles to even identify if the people he's hiring are good enough to be supporting him. So I, I stand back and kind of in pain sometimes looking at the decisions that are being made because they're so passionate about what they're doing but they're hiring people that aren't actually helping them and they're spending good money on people that are not supporting them as, yeah. as they could. And it's it's difficult when you've got domain experience in one area, to your point earlier, and then you're trying to do all these other things. Because in any small business, you've got to be good at everything. You've got to understand your books. You've got to understand the finances. You've got to understand the inputs. You've got to be marketing expert. You've got to understand brand strategy. You've got, in your industry, packaging is critical. Distribution, there's just so many elements. And um, it it is it is a big ask unless you're surrounded by people that are really good and can support you and that you know you're getting quality support, that it's not just paid people that are not really helping you. And, and that's what so that's what Seed Lab does. It, it helps them identify what you need and who you need and how to find them. It doesn't obviously give you the solution of here's the money to go and do it, um, but at, at, at least it also um, another thing we do is called live in conversation where we bring in the industry heroes, if you like, people like Chris Matthews from Little Urchin, um, Karen Lebsamp from Curry Yong Kitchen. Um, we've had Chobani, an, a number of them have come and shared their story and they, the participants get to ask questions. It goes for about 90 minutes and we do one a month. And that's been a really powerful thing for people to hear things like, well, you know, um, I just use like Chris was quite open with, well, I just buy in what I need. I've got virtual assistants for this and this and this, and I get this bit done over here. I don't employ any staff and I'm not full-time in my business either myself. And those examples just are the only way that I know of in today's age to learn how to do something that there are no books written about. You know, there's books written out, many books written out there about how to do business, I don't think I've ever seen one about how to develop an FMC product, FMCG product and make it work. There probably are bits of it, but there's no one size fits all. There's no one solution. But hearing a number of people's journeys and how long it's taken, because that's the other thing, everyone hears about the overnight successes and doesn't realise the 15 years that went in previously to that. And, um, you know, how much it costs. You know, you can throw money at things or you can do things the organic way. And so I think that's the benefit of Seed Lab, that there are a, there's a heap of content, there's a heap of people, and there's a heap of examples to go, to go with. And that, that is exactly why we created it, because I had learned the hard way, you don't know what you don't know when you're trying to do this. So true. So he, here's... Here's what you do need to know and here's some people you can trust talking about all these things and we'll guide you through it and then we'll help you find some opportunities at the end. Goodness me, it's it's an opportunity Magic. money can't buy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely a very good point because the, the thing is, is sometimes when people are starting out and they think, oh, I only have this, this amount of money and I, I know what I'm doing because I had a corporate life and I can go and do it and they think they're actually going to save money. But in actual fact, if they if they get help and they get, you know, um, and they have a group that helps them at, that that understands that has been there, done that, 
they're actually going to save a lot more money and time and energy in the long term. And it will probably make the difference between success and not success. Because if you make a mistake, it can be very costly. Um, where if you go to people who have already been there and they're experts, they can very quickly say, put a fresh eye on it and say, you need to do this for, you need to get this registered, you need to have a, a trademark on this. You know, you know, there's all kinds of different aspects. And to try to do it alone, it's, I, I would never recommend that. No, I wouldn't either. I really wouldn't. Yeah, it would just be. Now we are already getting up to a time there. And and I've got a question here, which would be great to, we often get a lot of people who uh, send questions in as well. And this one came in and I've been holding it for you because it's relevant. <laughs> um, and it's someone who said that they had a great, they have a great idea for a consumer product. They've got some money in the bank to start things off. They've they've managed people and they've had a success in their past. Um, and of course, just like you said, they said they feel their product is revolutionary. So it's obviously the best thing. Um, but but what should they really know getting um, starting off? And what are some of the misperceptions that startup founders make? So I'll, I'll start with you, Hazel. What should you really know? Well, um, I think you always, in the words of is it Simon Siddick, you've always got to start with why and, and the why being twofold. Your why, why are you doing this? Mm. Why are you doing this personally? And and we try and separate out are you doing it for your personal income or to build a dream that you have somewhere or personal passion um, and, and why are you doing it from your business? What, what, what does that success look like for you? And the second why is why should anybody care? And what is it, you know, what is it going to do for them? Um, and I think being really clear about that and pulling it apart, so that brings it down to everything from exit strategies to um, storytelling in, in your why, to what is uniquely and uniquely valued about your product. And being if, if you can't, you said earlier, Christina, elevator pitch, if you can't summarise it in 10 or 20 words, what's unique about your product, then go and sit down and, and sort it out until you can. And um, that's the same about writing a book. You know what is the story? What's the what's the premise of this book? If you can't summarize that in a few words, then you need to go and sit down and think about it. Um, the next thing, and so there's two aspects to that. Is as we talked about earlier, I've got this problem, so I've developed this product. That's a, a push, or I've identified this need, and I have solved the problem by this. That is that is a push, a pull. Sorry, there's a pull through. I would say you need to be in those areas where there's a pull through because there's more likelihood of for success. Um, and then looking at the the need. So trying to quantify who who this is for, how many of them are there, how what's the competitors doing. Realistic competitor analysis is really important. So people um say to me, um, I might be producing a a Jamaican source. 
So there's no competitors here. A Jamaican barbecue sauce. There's no competitors because there's no Jamaican barbecue sauce in Woolworths. And I'm like, right, okay. So what are the people who were uh, creating meals that would use Jamaican sauce, what are they using now? Oh, they're using barbecue sauce. So that's a competitor then, isn't it? There's all these other things or they could have a different flavour or, you know, a different type of thing. We try and broaden out what people's competitor analysis looks like. Um and then it's all around what we've talked about, understanding the profitability here. What it, how does it much does it cost to make it? How are, how are you going to get it to your people? What are your routes to market? Um, and yeah, all the if it's a success, let's say this does work, and suddenly you've got a thousand fold growth. How are you going to do that? What's your plan? Um, future proofing for success is where I like to be because who wants to future proof for failure you know this is if this is going to work how are you going to do this yeah Yeah, some great great stuff there Hazel Um, and if anyone's interested in exploring the issue of your why listen into the Steve Factor podcast where we actually do a deep dive into what's your why um, around around businesses. But just to add on to what Hazel's saying, um, product market fit is critical. And I think the mistake that I've made in, in past businesses is I went and asked all my friends and guess what your friends are going to tell you? Your I friends love are going to tell you that everything is amazing. What you've done is phenomenal. And they're not, uh, because they don't want to hurt your feelings, they're not going to tell you necessarily what you need to hear. So um, get product market fit, test your product, and if it's a food-based product, sample lots of people and go out in the streets with it and get their feedback because that's where the that's where you'll find the true answers. Um, other bits of advice, and this is for any business, it takes longer than you ever expect and it costs more than you ever expect. And, and it's harder than you can ever imagine. It's harder than you can ever imagine. And if you thought you were resilient at the beginning of the process, you have no idea what it means to be resilient. So start exercising those resilient muscles because it's a bumpy ride. And there are lots of low lows, unfortunately, with any startup. And you've got to be ready and you've got to be really passionate about what you're doing and love what you're doing so that you can come out of those those low lows. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And just to cap that off is um, basically what you were saying, Hazel, before that you, you like um, hard work because I've found that um, people who have gone into maybe from a corporate background into then developing a new product, a lot of times they don't realize how hard it is and they're they're used to working in an environment where they've got resources and people work for them or you know and they they don't have to pay for things <laughs> and then they go into setting up their own and they literally need you need to understand that you turn the lights on you you turn the light you're the person that does everything and you need to be comfortable with doing the 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 hack work you know the every everything um because the buck stops with you and i think that's probably one of the things that i've seen over the years that people find it hard or don't realize the amount of time and energy that they have to put in it and i would say think about the time and energy that you think you've got to put in it and triple it 
yeah, <laughs> because, <right>. quadruple it, <laughs> triple it, <laughs> and times it. <laughs> and and the reality is, if you you can't hire people until you make money, and don't. And I would also say to founders, don't spend money unwisely. Don't spend money on things that you don't need now, and you know that yeah. that and you don't buy buy business. Um, that you know, you really got to look at the numbers as well, and, and you know, it's very simple. If the money's coming in, you can spend it, <laughs> but if it's not coming in, you can't spend it. So those are some of the things that I w- would say. But what a great conversation! And and really, this is this is a conversation we could continue for many many episodes because there's many people out there right now who are. Um, not happy with corporate life or not happy with what they're doing and they want to follow the dream that they've been thinking about for many, many years and thinking, oh, I'll just go and make a jam. I'll go out and, and I, I'll i make soap or I'll, whatever the product is. And they have to remember that it's not easy because anything worthwhile achieving is hard work. Yep. I totally agree with everything you both, both of you have just said. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. And I would be saying to everyone, they should check out Seed Lab. If you're looking to start a business, you know, don't do it on your own. Get help and get the professionals to help you and your journey will probably be a lot smoother. So thanks, Hazel. We really appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Thanks. For more information about every step in our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favourite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics. I'll stop recording.